Glory to God. You know, I got saved under Jimmy Swaggart's ministry a couple hundred years ago. And he said, glory to God like nobody else. Glory to God. Glory to God. And it's just like, amen. Praise the Lord. God is so awesome. Ah, it's just like, ah, Kelly and I are talking a little bit this morning. I go, it's, God's just so, so awesome. I've heard praise report after praise report the last several weeks. It is so awesome. If anybody wants to give one right now, just get on up here and Kelly give you a mic and who wants to give one? Anybody? Don't hide what the Lord is doing. Here's one coming up. Come on, somebody else. He'll give it to me, but you might have to jerk it out of his hand. Well, yeah, you can come get it. <laughs> I just have to give a testimony about our finances. Uh, a few months ago, we found out that my pension was not taking taxes out. So our financial guy said, well, just pay the last uh, two years, and which amounted to thousands of dollars, okay, which took from other things in our financial network. My husband is the financial guy for me. <laughs> so anyway, it it's been, it'd been a real tight for us. So the Lord, when I stepped out in faith to uh, do a meal for the singles, I said, God, you'll have to provide for this because it's not there. So this last week, we got a check in the mail, didn't expect it. And uh, we finished paying off our funeral plan, which loosened up some money. So I give glory to God because, because if you decide to do something God has put in your heart, step out and do it. Because he will meet you exactly where you need to be. Where... Amen. Praise God. Praise God. If you got a check in the mail, you'd be doing better than that. Praise God. So... Uh... A few weeks ago, I was praying early one morning in the spirit, and I got this vision in a circle. I saw a book open, and the more I prayed, it was the Word of God. And right next to it, I saw all these molecules all misaligned, and I started praying into that. He said, that speak God's Word, because that's what the body was created with His words. And so I started realizing He was showing me to pray and speak God's word over my body. And uh, a few couple weeks later, I go for a routine checkup with my doctor. And he says, well, I want to talk to you about your GFR numbers. I didn't even know what that was. <laughs> but it's our kidneys. And he said, your numbers are low, and they should be higher. And he said, it's if they continue to get lower, you're going to become a diabetic and all this. So I literally remembered that vision. I started speaking his word over my body. And uh, one evening, Lur and I were just sitting there minding our own business. And the doctor's office called and said, well, your numbers are becoming better, more normal than they were. Well, I knew exactly why. <laughs> 
so if you have any problems with your body, speak God's word over it because it's powerful and it will align everything. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Anybody else? The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in us. And he who raised Christ from the dead shall quicken, that is to make alive with the God kind of life, your mortal body. Mortal body is death doomed. It's not talking about heaven. It's talking about this body right now that we're walking around in, praise God. So take that scripture along with about a gazillion others. Speak it over your body. Amen, amen, amen. Call those things that be not as though they already were, according to the Word of God. That's not some kind of radical, crazy thing. That is very biblical, very solid. Stand on it, praise God. Who his own self bore my sins in his own body on the tree, that I, being dead to sin, should live into righteousness, and by his stripes I was healed. And that's Peter referring back to Isaiah chapter 53, along with Matthew when he said in 8... Matthew 8, 17, himself took your infirmities and bore your sicknesses. Well, if he did it, I don't need them. I don't have to mess with it. I don't have to worry about it. When I got a hold of what you're talking about back in 1984, it changed my life. And I call those things that be not as though they were thrown up in the toilet. And I went ahead and threw up and threw up and threw up, never to throw up except for two times since then. Once I was in India, and I ate real late one night and had a lot of curry. And as soon as I got rid of it, the next morning I was fine. <laughs> and another little semi-deal. I mean, we're talking about, what, 37 years, 38 years ago. I used to throw up every year, every year a couple times. Huh. How the entrance of his word brings light and changes our lives. That's biblical. Well, God doesn't heal anymore. He just healed back then to show people things. Oh, well, he, he's changed then. Okay, well, take Hebrews 13, 8, throw it in the trash can. Take Malachi and throw it in the trash can. 13, 8 says, Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. Malachi says, I am the Lord. I change not. So if the Lord of the Old Testament doesn't change, how much more... When he said in Hebrews that we have a better covenant based on better promises. And we're going to talk about that this morning. We're going to talk about that covenant, praise God. Because most Christians, they don't have a, mm, I think God and Jesus, and we all made a, some kind of a bet or program or something and got a lottery ticket. and They don't have an inkling. In fact, we're going to talk a little bit about the covenant today. We're talking about, you know, whose family are you in? Okay. We talk about before the garden. That's where we, God wants us back. That's the reason we sang what we sang today. We want to walk in the garden because it's our garden that he made for us. It's not the devil's garden, and it's not history as much as, well, it's over. It's history to give us a picture of how God wants us to walk with God in the cool of the morning by His Spirit, praise God. We're going to be doing a series on the covenant on Wednesday night starting in January. So I want you to look forward to that. It's going to be rich. It's going to be full. 
And it's going to be a mind opener to really dig in to the covenant and what it really means in this New Testament covenant. By the way, we're doing our 12th and last meeting on I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist this week on Wednesday night. You're welcome to come in. Uh, we'll spend some time on Q&A if you need that or want that or whatever for about any subject along those lines. And then next Wednesday night, it will be a worship and communion night. That's next week, okay? So we'll have, that's the next two weeks. And then we're going to pause Wednesday nights for the rest of September, and we'll start back in October uh, with Wednesday nights. We'll do October, November, and about half of December, take a couple of weeks off, and then we'll start with the covenant, praise God. So I know it's a good ride for you. Here's, here's some of what we're trying to do these days. We're trying to teach biblical theology as it's real. You know, I'm reading a book right now, stumbling through it because the words are all that long. And some of them are in Greek or Hebrew or Aramaic. That's okay. I'm not going to be preaching in Aramaic to you, Brother Byron. You can just forget that. I'm not going to be preaching in Greek to you. Okay, Chris? And uh, Kelly likes Hebrew. So I just tell Kelly, hey, I'm going to preach in Hebrew to you. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. So that, that took care of him. So now everybody's happy, right? Is everybody happy? Okay, praise God. Praise God. Well, we're going to get into the message today. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your word. It is a light into our path, a lamp into our feet. It is the bread of life. It is what we must eat and enjoy each and every day, just as manna was given to us in the Old Testament for once a day. It always had to be fresh. We thank you, Lord, that your word is fresh, and we receive it. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for being the server to that and actually showing us what it means and how to go about it. Thank you for all the, the good things that will be unwrapped today as we hear you and the desires of your heart in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. amen and glory to God. Glory to God. Whose family are you in? Amen. The dirt family or the Jesus family? Jesus. Oh, praise God. I know you are. If you're on YouTube watching us or our website watching us, we'd love to have you come see us. We promise to love you no matter what because Jesus loved us no matter what. Jeremiah, Jeremiah was a bulldog. No, I, not that Jeremiah. This is another one. The uh, King James calls it Jeremy in the New Testament. I always thought Jeremy's a pretty good guy. J Jeremiah 31, 31, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Remember that the kingdom was split then, Judah and Israel, the uh, uh, upper and lower kingdoms. Verse 32, it will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to lead them out of, Jesus, out of Egypt. That obviously is talking about the Mosaic covenant, the old covenant what we call the Old Covenant. 
Because they broke my covenant. Though I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. The Lord's not changing himself. He's having to change us. And he's having to change some of the ways that he did things. The old covenant had a specific plan and purpose. And that specific plan and purpose was to show us one thing. We'll talk about that in just a minute or two. He said, this is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. Verse 34, no longer will they teach their neighbors or say to one another, know the Lord because they will all know me from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. Here it is. For I will forgive their wickedness and remember their sins no more. The old covenant, the sins were always remembered. And the blood of animals was given as a sacrifice, sometimes grain offerings. Everything had to be redone and redone and redone and redone and redone. God used that to cover their sins. The New Testament, he deleted, extinguished, threw them in the sea of forgetfulness to remember them no more. It's very important that we realize the differences there. Just starting at the tip of the iceberg here. It's like... You, your broom is kind of messed up, and so you go get a broom. You have uh, wood floors, and you sweep the dirt under the carpet. That's the old covenant. They're covered. The new covenant, the dirt disappears. You can't find it anymore. It's gone. It's history it's not to be seen by anybody's eyes, not even your mama's. It's done, praise God. That is the New Testament. Now we'll jump over to Hebrews, Hebrews 7, 11. We spent some time in Hebrews last month, or last week rather, but we're going to take it from a little different perspective here before and after. Hebrews 7, 11. If perfection could have been attained through the Levitical priesthood, and indeed the law given to the people established that priesthood, why was there still need for another priest, one in the order of Melchizedek, not in the order of Aaron? Now remember, Melchizedek appeared before, but we'll see that Jesus was made a priest after the order of Melchizedek. So keep in mind, Melchizedek appeared before the law. Okay? Abraham met with him. Abraham tithed to him. They had a, a special meeting, and all we know is that Melchizedek had no beginning and no end. I don't know how to figure that out. You can make all kinds of deals. It may have been Jesus. It may have been something else. I don't know. I'm not going to go there. It's just important that we remember that Jesus is a 
priest after the order of Melchizedek, not Aaron. Nothing wrong with Aaron. He's doing what he's supposed to be doing some of the time. But it's important that we understand the covenant that God was making with us was planned before the creation of this world. Okay? He knew what he was going to have to do. Verse 12, for The law must also be changed. He of whom these things are said belonged to a different tribe, and no one from that tribe has ever served at the altar. For it is clear that our Lord descended from Judah. And in regard to that tribe, Moses said nothing about priests. The priests came out of Levi. Remember, there's 12 tribes of Israel. Judah means praise, okay? And it was the tribe that Jesus came out of phys his physical part of him. When he was, I like to use the word, encapsulated uh, in flesh. For it is clear, and encapsulated does not limit his deity. He, he was all deity, and he was all man in one package. For it is clear that our Lord descended from Judah, and not regard, and in regard to that tribe, and, and in regard to that tribe, Moses said nothing about priests. And what we have said is even more clear if another priest like Melchizedek appears, one who has become a priest not on the basis of a regulation as to his ancestry, but on the basis of the power of of an indestructible life. Jesus laid his humanity, his human soul down so that he could go to the cross. He laid his soul down so that he could make the entry to the cross, down the cross, make the payment for our sins forever. And when we see him, we will be like him. And God, who, it's kind of like, if you look at it this way, the, the Trinity's got kind of like a triangle in a way that there's different personalities, but it's all one, one piece. It's inseparable. And then you have this one part of deity over here that's also has a duality between the Son of God and the Son of Man. And someday we'll, we'll show you how the Son of Man is the deity and the Son of God is the flesh. And I did say that correctly. Praise God. Okay. Verse 16. Okay, I've read that. Verse 17. For it is declared, you are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. This is what was told to Jesus on his way or entrance into heaven after the resurrection. I'm running over a few things just because... I hope you realize a lot of that, but we're going to slow down here in a minute and really get our, our, our grips into something. Verse 18, the former regulation is set aside because it was weak and useless. For the law made nothing perfect, and a better hope is introduced by which we draw near to God. And it was not without an oath. Others became priests without any oath, but he became a priest with an oath when God said to him, 
the Lord has sworn and will not change his mind, you are a priest forever. Verse 22, because of this oath, Jesus has become the guarantor of a better covenant. Okay, make a note of that verse, verse 22. And the word guarantor, we're going to come back and talk about that in a little bit. The thing that's going on here is God used the Old Testament to show us one thing, basically. You ain't and you never will be good enough. He showed us that self-righteousness stinks. He showed us that we cannot be perfected by the regulations of the law or by our behavior. That we cannot become holy, sanctified, set apart, children of God through our own effort. We cannot become whatever we want to be or God wants us to be or anything else because we're so smart, so intelligent, so powerful, or so anything else. We've sinned and come short of the glory of God. We've sinned because Adam did it, but also we've sinned because we did it. And self-righteousness to God, it stinks. Who did Jesus always get on their case? If the answer is scribes, Pharisees, and don't you sees. We did a... I guess that, that was two weeks ago when I, I made that, I think I made mention of that last week, the, the podcast we did. Or it just posted this, this last Saturday, I guess. Yesterday. Just posted yesterday. Okay. Your pastor got on the podcast that we do weekly and had a message. It's a 20-minute message. And it's to the world, but it's to Christians too. And the name of that 20-minute message is The Hell with Religion. Because of the way people perceive it today, it's sending people to hell. And that's where it needs to be. We've perverted that word, that meaning. Actually, Christianity is the only true religion. Everything else is a false religion. But people think about religion, and they think about all the reasons not to don't want to love Jesus. It's also, a lot of people have comfort in that. How would you all like to set it up? We'll, we'll use Kelly, for example. I always get to pick on him, right? We're going to make a little booth over here. And we're going to put Kelly in half of it and put a little wall there with a little screen and put another half of it over there. And if you'll come in and confess your sins every Saturday, well, he'll forgive you. And you're okay. He can go get drunk next week. It's okay. Now, I'm not beating down on the precious people that actually believe that. I'm beating down on their hierarchy. And we'll just stop there. And that's only one of them. It can be a any kind of a denomination. It can be in a non-denominational church. Non-denominational churches have kind of got into the deal, oh, well, we get to go to church for 60 minutes, and we worship the Lord and praise the Lord and get a message and see everybody else do high fives and get to go home. Don't you don't think that doesn't happen a lot? And 
I'm not talking about people's intentions. I'm not talking about pastors or priests or anybody else's intentions. I'm just saying the truth. Self-righteousness will get you nowhere. Well, it will. It, it, it will open the gates of hell for you to enter into an eternal life without God. That's what hell is. Folks, that's sad. I grew up in a church like that. I don't know how many people, if any, got saved. They, they probably got saved later like I did after they made an idiot out of themselves trying to find the world out there. Thank you for that one head shaking. <laughs> we know, don't we? <laughs> but that's what Jesus is all about, seeking and saving the lost. He said, I came not to be ministered to but to minister. Minister means serve. Praise God. Well, somebody needed that one. And if you're on YouTube, I don't sit here and talk about a lot of men and women and call them out by name because some of their theological differences. are. I'm just talking about the things that are absolute vital to the gates of eternity. They're necessary Jesus said, the road is narrow. And we can think all we want to about it and come up with our own theological discussions and talk about how we make God in our image without saying it that way and come up with all mansy-pansy things and excuses. And the fact is, Jesus is in love with you. He loves you. He cares for you. He wants your best. He believes that you have an ability to be all the kinds of things that his word says. And when you mess up, and you will mess up again, he clears it off. Delete. 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 And his delete button doesn't go to the, um, the collection bucket. Not to be confused with church collection bucket. The, um, what do you call it? Say again? Yeah, the recycle bin. Thank you. That's good. You see, I don't use mine very often. Your sin doesn't go to the recycle bin. In other words, it's still there, but you know you don't see it unless you specifically look for it. And in order to restore it, then you have to hit uh, restore and then go back to where the file it came out of and then pull it back up. That's what the devil wants to do. He's got his own little list. My gosh, how am I going to get through this today, Brad? We're going to remember verse 22, coming back to it later. Verse 23, now there have been many of those priests since death prevented them from continuing in office, but because Jesus lives forever, he's a permanent, he has a permanent priesthood. Therefore, he's able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. Very critical. You're familiar with John uh, where it says in John 14, 6, uh, I'm the way, the truth, the life, and no man comes to the Father except through me. This is the way 
that he could say that because those who come to God through Jesus, because he always lives to intercede for them. And it's not a one-time experience. Your Christian life is a life, lifestyle, life worldview, all the things about life, the God kind of life, the Zoe kind of life. Verse 26, such a high priest truly meets our needs, one who's holy, blameless, pure, set apart from sinners, exalted above the heavens. Unlike the other priest, he does not need to offer sacrifices day after day, first for his own sins and then for the sins of the people. He sacrificed for their sins once for all when he offered himself. For the law appoints as high priest men in all their weaknesses, but the oath which came after the law appointed the Son who has been made perfect forever. Glory to God. Verse 24. But he holds his priesthood unchangeably because he lives on forever. One of the essences of God is he's immutable. He changes not. He's not this yesterday and that tomorrow. He's a very objective thinker. Okay? Like, uh, forever! How long's that? Forever! Remember, we used to sing the song, and world without end. Amen, amen. Verse 25, therefore he's able to also to serve to the uttermost. This is, uh, I'm reading now, uh, out of the Amplified rather than the NIV. Finally, for all of those, let me try it again here. Therefore, he's able to come to save to the uttermost, completely, perfectly, finally, and for all time and eternity. Those who come to God through him, since he is always living to make petition to God and intercede with him and intervene for them. Jesus is he drew us together. He tore down the partition between God and us. And he tore down the partition between Jew and Gentile at the cross. And now he's continuing with his ministry, interceding for us forever. So much for self-righteousness. So much for me doing and me being and all that kind of stuff. Okay, verse, uh, let's go to the next verse, which is Hebrews 8, 1. We do have such a high priest who sat down at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven who, and who serves in the sanctuary, the true tabernacle set up by the Lord, not by a mere human being. Every high priest is appointed to offer gifts and sacrifices, and so it was necessary for this one also to have something to offer. If he were on earth, he would not be a priest, for there are already priests who offer the gifts prescribed by the law. Verse 5, they serve at a sanctuary that is a copy and a shadow of what is in heaven. The earthly tabernacle is a playhouse compared to heaven. This is why Moses was warned when he was about to build the tabernacle. See to it that you make everything according to the pattern shown you on the mountain. One day I'm going to have a talk with Moses about all that stuff he got on the mountain. Woo! But in fact, the ministry Jesus has received is as superior to theirs as 
the covenant of which he is mediator is superior to the old one, since the new covenant is established on better promises. I had a guy talking one time and professed salvation in Jesus. <laughs> and I gave him that verse and I thought he was going to hit me. He thought the Old Testament was more important. And he was a Christian who got into some theology along the way about the Old Testament. And he didn't read the part that it's passed away. It's gone. You better be glad. I took away your $20 bill and gave you a $2 million bill. Glory to God. Verse 7. For there had been nothing wrong with the first covenant, no place would have been sought for another. But God found fault with the people. With the people. God found fault with the people and, and said, The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt because they did not remain faithful to my covenant. They broke the covenant. The Old Testament was broken by the people. And I turned away from them, declares the Lord. Verse 10. This is the covenant I will establish with the house of Israel. After that time, declares the Lord, I will put my laws in their minds and write them on their hearts. I will be their God. They will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbors to say to one another, Know the Lord, because they will all know me from the least of them to the greatest. For I will forgive their wickedness and remember their sins no more. I think we've heard that before this morning. Okay? By calling this covenant new, he has made the first one obsolete. And what is obsolete and outdated will soon disappear. That was written right after the resurrection. A couple of decades later. Maybe three. It was written before 70 AD. That's what we know. Okay, let's go back to Hebrews 7.22, like I said earlier, for a few minutes. Hebrews 7.22, we read, because of this oath, Jesus has become the guarantor of a better covenant. A guarantor is a person who gives it. Okay? He gives it. Now, if we read the NAS or the Apologetics Bible or Weast, some of these other ones, we find out that word's changed a little bit. In fact, NAS and Apologetics Bible calls it a guarantee of the new covenant. Now, remember, Jesus does have both sides of this thing. But what's important for us is the guarantee. The King James and the New King James read surety. The Greek word surety means bondsman. Okay, Tim's driving too fast. He gets pulled over. He doesn't have his insurance card. They arrest him, put him in jail. He picks up the phone, and he calls Kelly, and he says, Kelly, I've got a $10,000 bail I need to help on. I, I can't do it. And Kelly goes, well, I can't either. And then Tim goes, Kelly, 
they have people they call bail bondsmen. Okay, if you'll go to one of them and take the $1,000 that I've got stuck under the, the, uh, the uh, pot right outside my porch, uh, he'll get you the $10,000 bond. And so Kelly says, well, I can do that. Tim goes, hurry, man. <laughs> so what happens? He's got a court date because he was speeding. He's, he uh, didn't have his license with him, didn't have his insurance card with him. Oh, my gosh, what's an outlaw? And so he has to go to court. Well, when, ba- when Kelly bailed him out, a surety bond was given. Kelly bails him out. He goes, and he decides to take a trip to Alaska. So what do they do? They call Kelly, and Kelly goes, I don't know what happened. Oh, it's court date here in three hours. Kelly goes, I don't know. Three hours later, guess what? The surety bond is at the court, okay? And now we're going to get on Kelly and find out where our brother had gone. And uh, we send out the bounty hunter, two six-guns, one on each side. But that's a surety bond. It's somebody who is the sure thing for a wrongdoing, okay? So... Tim didn't drive very well, and Kelly hadn't got 10 grand just to cough over, so we go to a surety guy who gives that bond, and now he's reliable to it, and he has to pay the 10 grand until he can bring him back and have him stand in front of the court. Jesus is the surety of our covenant. He is the one that's there. He's the guarantee that we have a covenant Jesus is a guarantee. Okay? Now, we put this together. We've got a few more things to, to hit here. I'll be through before 4 o'clock this afternoon. Don't worry about it. So which is it, a guarantor or a guarantee? Well, for sure he's a guarantee. He is the, um, the uh, surety of the covenant, the surety forever. Uh, Vine says that surety primarily signifies Baal, the Baal who personally answers for anyone, whether with his life or with his property. So Jesus had to do whatever's necessary to become the surety, and he gave his life, the perfect life. This is not a mediator. There's, a, there's an old Bible guy that's been with the Lord many, many years ago. And he said that Jesus has four-part ministry. Uh, he's the Lord. Uh, he's the mediator. He's an advocate. And he's a high priest. Well, the mediator is somebody who works both sides. Okay? The advocate really, in, in the old King James is the word that's translated there really means comforter. So the, the advocate is, he sent the Holy Spirit, the comforter, that's the same word, okay? But the word that, that that Bible teacher didn't put in there is the guarantee. Jesus is the guarantee of the covenant. That's who he is. And it's a continual ongoing, not ceasing on his part to pray for us and to intercede on our behalf because we 
need it. His surety is established by God's oath. He is the personal guarantee of the terms of the new and better covenant secured on the ground of his perfect sacrifice. It's all from vines. The Amplified says it this way, Hebrews 7.22, In keeping with the oath's greater strength and force, Jesus has become the guarantee of a better, stronger agreement, a more excellent and more advantageous covenant. And then in verse 23, again, the former successive line of priests was made up of many because they were each prevented by death from continuing perpetually in office. So there's a lot of things that are tied together here. Of course, eternal life is, is very important and the eternity of the priest and the oath of God because the oath of God accepted the sacrifice for the surety payment bond, you might say. Does that make sense? The father took his hammer as the judge and said, the bond for every person who will call upon the name of Jesus, my son, has the surety forever. Their sins, folks, he didn't say your sins are just forgiven. They're forgiven, but they're forgotten. Don't let the devil bring up something to you. He's full of donkey dung. He is the accuser of the brethren. Okay, so what? We've got a better covenant based on better promises. We don't have to go through all that stuff, all the Old Testament rituals and stuff, and then have to go through it again next week and next week and next week. Kind of getting tired of seeing all this blood flow. (laughs) The blood that counted has already flown. And it went into the dirt where God made man to cleanse this place. And wherever we put our feet, the Spirit of God is going. That's just an extra one right there. It didn't cost you anything. Wherever you put your feet, you're taking the authority of the covenant with you. Somebody going to get this in a minute. (laughs) You take the authority of the covenant with you. What was it a while ago? that Mitch was saying about speaking to your body, that's the first place that you can take authority. Yourself! In the name of Jesus! (laughs) Or however you want to do it. You speak the word in faith, according to the Bible. According to the Bible. Why... The big question is, if God doesn't remember your sins anymore, why in heaven's name do you remember your sins anymore? I remember when, stop it. That's been under the blood. If it hadn't been under the blood, you confess it to God and let it be. The one person you can tell to go to hell and that it's not cussing is the devil. <laughs> That's in my notes. <laughs> Once you apply 1 John 1 9, if, 
if you confess your sins, he's faithful to forgive your sins and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. He has forgotten them. You're in the family of God. That's whose family you're in. You're with the Most High God. Hallelujah. Here's a revelation for you today. All through the Bible. You do not have a covenant with the Father. You don't have one. You don't have a covenant with the Father. Jesus has a covenant with the Father. Jesus and the Father have the covenant, and you're in Christ. You have all of the benefits. You have all of the promises. But guess what? It shall not be broken because of Jesus. If you want to get out, yes, you can get out the same way you got in. By faith. But if you sin, the covenant is not broken because you're in Christ. Now you should ask forgiveness and you should make every effort you can to change your heart so the sin is no longer a testimony to you. Folks, this is, this is so great. This is so rich. There is so much more that I haven't even just touched today. Your covenant that you have with the Father is not with you directly with the Father. Je- Jesus is the guarantee. He has the covenant with God the Father. You're in Christ. You're seated with Christ in heavenly places. Okay? You are a joint heir with Jesus. The blood has been shed by Jesus. We go back, and I don't have time to get into all this today. We'll do it in January, February. But if you go back to the Old Testament, we see a a type where the sacrifices were made, and guess what? The fire and the smoke walked between them, different sides. And I'll give you all the fullness of what that means and the the different parts of it and what the the covenant actually meant in those days and times. But that represents the Father and the, the Spirit and the Son, the Spirit and the Son made a covenant. Jesus made it, and the Holy Spirit brings it to us. I don't have to worry about sinning my way out of eternal life with Jesus Christ. Please don't hear me say sloppy agape and weak grace and all that kind of stuff. No, I'm not into that. Just go do what you want to do. No, your heart's supposed to be different, and your heart will show you what's going on there. And you better have conviction if you go and do something like that. But the thing about it is it's not on your flesh. It's not on your soul. Yes, as we talked about last week, there's a war on your soul. You bet you there is because there's a devil. Kick him in the tail. You've got the authority. But this stuff about, well, my covenant, and I don't know. There's a lot of pastors, and I know some of them. They're great people. They teach you that, you know, if you did that, then you're no longer saved. (sighs) My God, can we see what Jesus did? Can we see and get a picture of eternity given to us on the cross? 
what Jesus went through to get all this done, to show us that the Old Testament is a works of self-righteousness and to show us that he's got a better thing for us and to tell us, only believe. That's your part. Believe. We mess up our lives trying to be good, trying to be faithful. Da-da-da-da-da. It reminds me of the Hindus that I saw slapping their head and turning a circle to, to appease the gods. Saw it in person in India. And Jesus is standing there and say, whoever comes to me, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. And you come and join my family. You come and be in my family. And I'm going to be your mediator. I'm going to be your advocate. I'm going to be there every minute, 24-7, loving you, caring for you, empowering you, giving you the blessings that you don't really deserve, but now you do because I get all these things from Father, I'm going to give them to you. And the love and the joy and the peace. <sighs> peace that passes understanding. That, that means for anxiety free. Love, that means I can look at anybody, I don't care who they are, and love them. Because I look through the eyes of Jesus and I think it doesn't make any difference if they're, you know, good looking or not looking, not good looking in the flesh. It has nothing to do with it because we look deeper than that. And when we see our brothers and sisters, then we know, hey, this blood of Jesus has brought me together with them and made me one in the spirit. Whoever's joined to the Lord is one spirit, the Bible says. We're joined together. What, what is a brother? What is a sister? We need to ask ourselves that. Is it just words that we use? Or is it like, I'm in the same family. We've got the same daddy. Daddy God. Even if we are a brother from another mother. Glory to God. And all the stuff and all the things the world shows and all of the antagonism that between the races, between the, the political sides, and between this and that, and the age, the generational ages, all that stuff, it can go right along with the devil, right down to hell. Because we live in a higher level. We live in a better environment. We live in a better family. We're not in the family of Adam. We're in the family of Christ. And he's in me and I'm in him. And he's chosen people like us to be together, to love each other, to care for each other. I am so madly in love with Church of Tomorrow. The things that you guys do without Kelly or me being involved, people are sick, take them food incapacitated, taking food, school supplies, prayer, prayer, prayer. We don't have to organize it. We don't have to set it up. We don't have to beg somebody to go see somebody. It just happens. 
just the work of God in your heart. If you ask me, that's cool. That's cool. And I don't care if this church never adds another member, if it adds 20,000. It doesn't make any difference to me. Because I'm madly in love with you. Because of God in us, the hope of glory. Christ in us, the hope of glory. That's what this life is all about. Can we get past all of the pseudo things that count? What kind of car do you drive? How, when did you get that dress? Oh, yeah, I've seen that dress three times before this week. <laughs> baloney, baloney, baloney. And that's just the women, okay? <laughs> Throw that one in there. Get a little lighter here this morning because my heart is rejoicing for this stupendous group of people that are called Christians, and they want to walk it just like the first century Christians did. And they want to do whatever's necessary to, to see Jesus glorified and to see his people, their brothers, their sisters, living their life. We're going to play one of those worship songs again. Would you stand with me, please? I told the staff Tuesday we were not going to do a worship song after church. But I really felt like this morning when I was talking with Jesus some hours before, <laughs> he was good. And I believe that we're supposed to. And this, this altar calls for anything, anything. We don't do that a lot. We open it up and somebody may come and we may go out. We're not going to go out today and pull you in. We're just going to let you walk in if you have something you want prayer for. It can be anything that you want. Be for yourself or somebody else if you want to stand in place for somebody else. We want to believe God with you for everything that you need in your life according to the Word of God. And by the grace of God, we'll get there. Praise God. Okay? Let's, let's go, please. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank the Lord. We praise God, Father, for your word. We thank you, Father, for your spirit being alive and well. Hallelujah. In our lives. I wanted to share from 2 Corinthians 9, 7 that says, You must each decide in your heart how much to give. Hallelujah. Many of you have given this morning in different capacities already. Hallelujah. And uh just remember, when you give to the church, when you give to the Lord, uh, you, you decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. It's not my heart, you know, to make you give. Give as you sense in your heart to give. Hallelujah. For God loves it when a person gives cheerfully. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. I still sense his, his residue, the residue of his presence. Mm -hmm. It never leaves. It's always here, always in our midst. Hallelujah. So I bring attention to the, you know, how we give. You know very well. You know the, the card, you know the envelope, and, and or online or text, um, several ways that we do that. And then some announcements very quickly before we leave this, uh, this morning. Uh, this Wednesday, uh, upcoming, the 31st, 
is going to be the final week of I don't have enough faith to be an atheist. And so what if it's true? Just repeat that, everybody. Say, so what if it's true? Yeah. 645, snacks and talk and fellowship, and then 7 o'clock, 7 o'clock the class begins. Okay, this Saturday, I told this to those who were praying yesterday on the Zoom meeting, we're going to be meeting this Saturday, the 3rd, in person here um, in the sanctuary right here from 9 to 10, or as the Holy Spirit may go a little longer, shorter, I don't know. But we want him to uh, lead us in prayer. So even if you don't usually, you're not involved in prayer on the Zoom, come this Saturday morning at 9, and uh, we will pray. We'll pray what's on God's heart. Hallelujah. And then uh, the third, not this next Wednesday, but the following Wednesday, okay, Wednesday night, uh, September 7th, is going to be worship night here, okay? And then we'll call, uh, we'll be off for several weeks in September, and then resume Wednesdays in October. Hallelujah. Stand one last time, and, and Father, we thank you. We just thank you, Father. We ask that you place your heart, your hand, Father, upon each one of us, hallelujah, to confirm and to put your impression, as it were, like like the king puts his signet ring upon something and presses his his, uh, ring into the wax to confirm that this is him, Father. We pray that you press down into our hearts and put your imprint upon what is taking place in our lives. We just thank you that you're faithful and that you will accomplish, hallelujah, what, uh, you, what you want to do. Hallelujah. And we just thank you that as we go forth from this place, we carry you with us. And we, O oh Lord, have an opportunity throughout the week, Father, to touch other lives in many different ways. And so, Father, we thank you and praise you, Lord, hallelujah, for that. In Jesus' mighty name. Hallelujah. Amen. Okay. Love on your people. Love on the people of God. Hallelujah. You're dismissed. Have a great, great week, everybody. Amen.